Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning once again and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. And just a quick reminder for those who may be new listening to just live on the radio or you happen to be listening to this via podcast, it's not a sales show. We're here to educate and to uh, just go really fully into that along those lines today. My special guest today, Deborah Faulkner, who's the probate judge for Greenville County and has been probate judge for quite a few years. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. It's, it's fascinating because you've been on, so this is my 15th year doing it. You've been on the program with me for at least half a dozen times, maybe more often than that. And it's, I think it's, um, it's a, a compliment to you that you can, you can make a subject like probate be interesting to listen to. And of course it's something we all need. It's something that we all, um, will eventually go through. Our families will go through for us or we'll go through it for our different families and uh, and so you're you're just always a, a delight to have on uh, talking money. So I appreciate your, your coming on a Saturday morning to uh, spend this time talking about some very very important things as it relates to um, to to probate. And as as always, typically we get a lot of questions from uh, listeners when you're on the air. But I know we've talked in the past a lot about probate and the way it works and and what things you need to prepare for, especially once someone passes away. But you and I were talking about the the things that happen, uh, the requirements that come to play and the things that change when you become married. And we're also, as I've been promoting all week, talk about what happens when you get divorced. Uh, so what are some of the things that happen legally now as we're talking about? I mean, it's easy to get married. You sign that marriage certificate and there aren't any lawyers involved or anything like that. But then when you want to split it up, how does it happen? Yes, marital status plays a huge role in so many things our law attaches many rights privileges and obligations once you get married and if that marriage dissolves due to divorce or a death then you've got to unwind all those legal responsibilities and obligations and probate is the site of where that happens when there is a death uh so the one of the things that everyone needs to think about is in uh, planning is, of course, we all have to keep our estate planning up to date. Uh, we have to keep it current. And a lot of people in their doing their estate planning when they provide for their children, a lot of folks think about, well, I want to make sure if my daughter or son gets divorced, I don't want their ex-spouse to inherit property that I'm leaving for my daughter. So there are lots of ways that uh, estate planning is affected by divorce. So what I wanted to talk about today was just sort of some basic things that the law uh, presumes that 
you want to provide for your spouse, and the law makes certain presumptions that you uh, want to uh, make for an ex-spouse. Basically, what the law says: if you're married when you're de- when you're when you pass away, you have to provide for your spouse at least to a minimum. If you're divorced from that spouse when you pass away, the law presumes that you don't mean to leave everything to your spouse, to an ex-spouse. And if you don't get around to updating your estate plan, there are laws on the books that take that spouse out of, that ex-spouse out of your estate plan, but it can uh, make the rest of your estate plan kind of go wonky, to use a legal term, (laughs) wonky. So uh, that that's uh, very important for people today because there are so many uh, folks whose marriages uh, don't work out for one reason or another. And so um, one of the things that we can start talking about is uh, the fact that uh, a you cannot disinherit your spouse. Uh, I have had wills that uh in which a spouse actually says in her will that she wants to leave zero to her husband zero she says i want to leave him zero or the state minimum whatever that is (laughs) and the spouse hired a lawyer and he filed for what's called an elective share which allows him to get at least one third of the value of his wife's estate and he was successful because they weren't divorced. And he wound up owning her house with her two daughters. So a quick question on that, uh, Deborah. So when, when you say the one-third elective share, and I understand that, is that just the probatable estate? Or would that include things that don't go through probate? Great question. The one-third is calculated by adding up the value of what is going through the probate process and you get to offset that amount by any non-probate transfers that are made to the spouse so for instance if the probate estates were three hundred thousand the husband in my example would be do do a hundred thousand but if the wife had left him an insurance policy of a hundred thousand then that's it you know so you do get to offset it by non-probate. That was a change that was made several years ago. Yeah, we actually knew someone who had um, just separated from their spouse. And you may have heard this story before, but it's been long enough. I'm going to tell it again. So he, he had, he had uh, separated, not legally yet. So between that time and the time they went back to see the judge to get uh, legally separated, he tried to do everything he could to keep his wife changed his will, changed uh, beneficiaries, changed everything he could. And then um, the day before he went to the um, judge to get the official legal separation, he committed suicide, thinking that he had blocked his wife completely out. But then she was back to this, no, she still gets at least one-third. And his was a sad situation, and this has been quite a few years ago, because his parents had left him a trust fund and left him a monthly uh, income from that trust. And because of that, he couldn't hold down a job. And he, he, he would get upset at whatever job he was in because he knew he had this backup money. So he never had to try to work it out to try to keep that job. 
And so it just affected his whole work ethic. And then that affected his marriage. And then subsequently with the separation, and then he ended up uh, killing himself you know, in the garage, started the car and, and killed himself. So it's, it is nice to know that there is, uh, is that one third, but you need to keep that in mind. And, and something that I think a lot of people don't think about is when there are two spouses, two people are going to get married again, but they both come from different families and they both may have their own sets of money and they want to make sure, and both of them agree that they want their own assets to go to their own children. How do they do that? Well, so then they get that waiver of the right to the elective share document that you can sign that keeps you from being subject to that. But that's where you need some advice. You need to make sure you're talking to, to the right people. All right, so we are out of time. Of course, if you are listening by podcast, then uh, when you get that question to me, I'll be glad to forward that to uh, Deborah so she can answer that question for us and make sure you got the right information you need to properly uh, plan your estate and properly plan for even uh, probate. Nothing that anything that anything that any of us wants to do, but we know it's going to happen. It's just inevitable. So it's better to be prepared for that. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're coming up uh, just past 19 after the hour. So glad you're with us. My special guest in the studio today, live, we're with Deborah Faulkner. She's the probate judge in Greenville County and has been for a number of years. And uh, based on what I hear from, from estate planning attorneys, uh, the best, if one of the best, if not the best run probate court in the in the county, maybe in the, talking about Western North Carolina and uh, Northeastern Georgia as well. So uh, you guys do a great job. And of course, my team has worked a lot with you guys and your team and, and are always um, pleasant, not, I shouldn't say surprised, but it's always been a pleasant experience for them to work with because we work with our clients when, when that time comes. I don't think a lot of advisors do that, but we go with the, the client to the, the survivor, surviving spouse to your office to um, to help them through that process because it could be a daunting thing even though it's it's not terribly complicated there's there's a lot of things it can get complicated but it's uh, just a lot of laborious work and I and I'll tell people when when clients are saying well I'm not sure if I if I just should put this one child as the personal representative because then the other child may be hurt that I didn't name them too and I I say well if they really know what's involved in this, they'll be glad their other brother sisters <laughs> taking care of that for them. Say, please, I'm not offended at all. Let them do the work. <laughs> and, let's, and, and you guys are such a help in that office because you've got people there that have had great tenure and they, and they do well. So uh, I think it'd help for the listeners to understand because it can get uh, confusing sometimes whether it's a Greenville County 
a probate office. There's a Spartanburg County, Union County. Every county has their own probate office. And the state has laws, uh, the laws of intestacy and the probate laws. And then we have different states because listeners from this program are listening in North Carolina and in Georgia. So there could be differences in there. So talk to us a little bit about how that how that's set up and, and uh, where you might go to probate when, when you pass on and or your relatives may, he won't. Uh, and just explain that to us a little bit. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for those kind words. I have a wonderful staff. Uh, they do a great job, and I appreciate uh, the feedback, and I will pass that on to them. Uh, yes, probate law is state-specific, which means our law here is different than North Carolina law, is different than Georgia. Each state has its own set of probate statutes. In our state... Uh, each county, and we have 46 counties, has its own probate judge, and they're elected every four years, and you have to file your will uh, within 30 days after date of death and open an estate if there are estate assets in the county where the deceased person resided or domiciled. So if you're loved one lived in greenville had a house in greenville voted in greenville uh paid taxes here then they're domiciled here and they come to greenville county probate court now in some unusual situations uh i may live in greenville but if i become incapacitated and i need to go into a facility but the only facility that that can take care of my needs happens to be in ori county if I pass away in Horry County, my estate is still probated in Greenville because that's the last place I intended to reside on my own free will. The only reason I'm in Horry is because of health reasons. I have to change all my voter registration, all of that stuff to Horry for my estate to be in Horry County. So, and if I uh, am a resident and I live in North Carolina, but I own some Greenville County property, then I can open the estate in Greenville County because I have Greenville County property and essentially have an estate in North Carolina going for my North Carolina and open what we call an ancillary down here. So there are ways to do it, but the overall simple thing to remember is wherever you live, when you pass away, that's the county in which you open the estate. So what if, as you you mentioned, somebody may have property in north carolina what if somebody has property in in multiple states and maybe they have some in some not so probate friendly states like florida mm-hmm. and uh they're but they're residing here they're they're obviously a resident here so do they have to go to probate in whatever county that property is in uh what they would do is uh they would open an estate here where they resided and then in every state where they have property they would open what's called an ancillary estate. So the main estate administration takes care takes place here in Greenville. But what would happen if is if I had some property in Georgia, then I would send what we called exemplified copies of the will and and the application and the other forms we have, and we send it down to Georgia to the county in Georgia where I own real estate. They take those exemplified copies, and then I would do the title transfer down in Georgia complying with all their real estate laws. They send a copy of the transfer back up here to Greenville so that we know that that property now has been transferred outside of the name of the decedent. And the same thing would happen with other states. 
where I may own property. So then how much easier is it? Because typically we'd recommend a client if they have property in these other states to set up a living trust and then just have each of those properties that are in these other states be owned by the trust as opposed to them personally so that they can avoid all that process. Uh, do you see that happen very often? Do you agree with that advice? I hope. Well, as you know, I can't give legal advice, uh, but a tr- in a trust situation, if you, your property is owned by a trust, then there's no probate process that you have to go through. The trustee takes care of all of those uh, transfers uh, by complying whatever law is applicable depending on the state that the property is owned. But there is no requirement if the property is owned by a trust that they open anything in a probate court. It's just taken care of by the trustee. Yeah, so I think that uh, not asking for advice, but asking for your your opinion based on the uh, ease of administration, that seems to be an easy way to do it. So back to the divorce question, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are divorced and are curious about how that might happen when their their ex-spouse passes away. Um, And matter of fact, I was um, uh, just recently heard somebody speak and they said, if you go around your neighborhood and just count off one, two, one, two, one, two, Within ten years, all all the twos would be divorced. It's like because half of these people are going to be divorced within ten years, which is sad. It's what just happens. It's the way life is uh, around U.S. and around the world, I guess. Um, so, when when someone's divorced and, and you have certain documents that are non probate and certain documents that are probate, um, so you've talked about. Uh, other things, notices that you might have to do. So what are some other things that you have to do uh, to prepare uh, or to make sure your documents are set up correctly, to make sure your assets go where you want them to go and how that affects uh, probate law? Oh, good question. Uh, Let's just take the example of a will. Uh, If I leave all of my estate to my husband and uh, my husband and I get a divorce and I never update my will, and I pass away, um, and uh, my husband, have us having divorced prior to my death, he is assumed to have predeceased me. So that then means that my estate won't go to my husband, even though my will says so, because the law presumes that we don't want to leave our estates to ex-spouses. So what would happen then if I had no one else and named in my will to take in case he predeceased me it would go intestate it would go to my intestate heirs and so uh that's what happens the law revokes the law presumes that you really meant to change your will when you got divorced you didn't mean to leave everything to your ex-spouse so it acts as though you revoked it and we treat it in probate court as if that ex-spouse predeceased you. And so we look and read in your will and says, okay, if there's a paragraph in the will that says what happens to my estate if my husband predeceases me, that's how we would administer the estate. And there's a law on the books about this. And it also applies to other instruments like uh, transfer on death accounts, uh, life insurance accounts things like that but the what there are some nuances there these third parties like life insurance companies banks and so on and so forth they have to have notice of the divorce Uh, you need to notify them because otherwise they don't know that you've been divorced and they would pay pay the the funds out to the person named on the policy 
So yeah, they were never told about that. So right. what if in in your example, if you had remarried and then passed away, and then still inadvertently had not changed your will to go to uh, from your ex spouse, and you're now remarried, uh, would does the law automatically say that my new spouse is going to be the primary heir? Is it going to be my children? How's that work? It would, as I said, we would treat him as he predeceased, which leaves me as an intestate. And under our intestacy law, my spouse would inherit 100%. My new spouse would inherit 100%. If, if I had children, he would get 50, and my children would get the other 50. All right, very good. Okay, so we're uh, time for the bottom of the hour break. And my special guest, Deborah Faulkner, Greenville County Probate Judge. Always pleased to have Deborah on the air with me and uh, love talking about this stuff to make sure people get it straight. We'll be back after this short break. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. One division is Everyday Steward, which serves clients who are just getting started to those with an investable net worth ranging from $100,000 up to a million. For those desiring objective, biblical principles in their investments, cash flow management, financial planning, which includes retirement, insurance, tax, and estate, and their giving, Ronald Blue Trust's Everyday Steward Advisors can serve as their clients' stewardship coaches so they can focus on a living a life of purpose. For more information about Everyday Stewart and the other divisions of Ronald Blue Trust, they can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. All right, welcome back to Talking Money. This is, is live radio was great, and I know most of you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with live radio. But if you only knew what was going on behind the scenes over here, if uh, you only knew, <laughs> you'd see it's a lot of fun. It's always great fun to do uh, to do live radio. So my special guest today, Deborah Faulkner, probate judge of Greenville County, and it's your chance to ask questions get directly to her you don't have to get to a voicemail and get a call back you don't have to talk to somebody else in the probate office you get the the judge herself right here all right so we're talking primarily about uh, divorce today okay so um you were talking some about uh, uh living trust we talked about where you might have to probate your assets and so forth and that the law presumes that you would not want any funds to go to your ex-spouse and it's really something i learned recently that if your spouse your ex-spouse is the beneficiary of life insurance policy you know as you said they're not going to pay that as long as they know that you've been divorced so it's important to let the insurance company know that that person matter of fact it's more important for you to just go ahead and change the beneficiary absolutely <laughs> And even more important than that is make sure if you're going to be going through a divorce, get competent counsel. You need a lawyer uh, and the lawyer can help you if you're going through a divorce. I believe, Mike, you mentioned earlier about doing a waiver of inheritance and waiver of elective share, share. any Mm -hmm. inheritance rights that can be taken care of by your uh, family court lawyer and they can do a... uh, when you're about to get remarried, maybe for a second or third time, they can do what's anti-nuptial agreement, premarital agreements, in which you protect the property mm-hmm. that you have so that it doesn't 
become commingled with your new spouse's properties. That way you can preserve it for your children. He can preserve it for his children. But you need attorneys to help you with that. And that can really simplify things should there be a divorce or a death uh, after the remarriage. So um, we haven't talked yet about uh, ERISA-type plans, retirement accounts, and and IRAs even. I I remember some years ago I I taught the pre-retirement workshops over at Millican, and they had a gentleman there who was a retired uh, benefits person at Millican, and um, Warren Schmidt, and he would talk. He's he's passed on now, but he would talk about some of the experiences he had taking care of benefits when when somebody passed away, and they had their their ex spouse as the beneficiary. That's right. Uh, or and they just didn't. They got remarried, but they and if they had never mentioned uh, put a name down, their current spouse would have been automatically the beneficiary. But they put the name down and then forgot to change it. And he also had situations where they had. Um, no beneficiaries, and they had ladies coming out of the woodwork all over the state saying, no, no, he was my husband. He was my husband. No, <laughs> no, he was mine. They're all trying to get a piece of the pie. So how how retirement accounts, how is that different than, than uh, the normal like life insurance that has a beneficiary? Well, after there's been a divorce, the first thing, of course, as we said, get competent counsel, make sure you change your beneficiaries. The statute that we have that revokes the interest of an ex-spouse doesn't apply, does not apply to plans covered by ERISA. ERISA and, you know, government plans are separate entities in which uh, most often require separate, uh, in the family court jargon, it's called uh, Qualified Domestic Relations Order or Quadro, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, The automatic or presumption uh, of a revocation does apply to wills, trusts, things of that nature, but any account that's covered by the ERISA statute does not fall under this uh, statute. Which typically is not IRAs. I mean, that's it's just qualified right. plans, right? right? just qualified yeah. plans, yes. I hear people talk all the even advisors talk a lot about, and it's just habit, talk about a qualified plan, they really talk about somebody's IRA, and that's not technically a qualified right. plan. Right, right. And uh, there are so many ways uh, to address these type things. That's why lawyers have ways to come up with solutions, but the best way is to pre-plan and make sure when an event like this happens that your plan uh, reflects what you want to happen to your assets. Right. Some people will do a will leaving, actually, actually after a divorce, they will do another will leaving their assets to their ex-spouse because they, they are becoming friends and they want them to have it, but that will has to be after the divorce. Okay. All right. So we got a couple of questions. It's not showing up on my screen. More technical difficulties, but Paul can bring them in. So, oh, yes. Uh, Ken, Kendra from Simpsonville on, on line one. All right. Good morning, Kendra. Welcome to Talking Money. What's your question for Deborah today? Oh, good morning. Um, I just tuned in, so I'm not sure if it's something you can answer, but my question was, so my situation is that if if my mom passes away, she has a timeshare she's been paying for for years, and we were trying to figure out if that's something that I would have to inherit because I don't want it, or if I could use it, <laughs> oh, or I if I'd have that. to have it and sell it, like that. Uh, Kendra, thank um, you for your question. Uh, timeshares are routinely listed on our probate inventories, and they are a problem, or they can be. Mm. Uh 
um, uh, you, you need to speak with someone or maybe someone in the timeshare management company about how it can be transferred uh, before your mom passes or sold or uh, some other way so you don't have to contend with it uh, if and when she passes. But yes, it mm-hmm. is. If it's held in her name alone, it is a and it's considered personal property. Uh, and it'll be listed on your inventory, and it will pass uh, as directed by her will. Yeah, I know some people, Kendra, just they just leave it alone. They say I'm not paying the fees, and then they just the then the company can decide whether or not they want to sue the estate, and it can get all sticky like that. But I have heard, uh-huh. I have heard on this station, and I can't vouch for any of them, but I know there's a number of firms that will take something like that, and they say they're guaranteed to sell it or you don't pay them anything so i've heard of that so you may want to try one of those at least inquire into them and i I say i don't remember the names of those because i hadn't had to use them but i i know there are some um, available services that way that may be something to at least uh, look into okay all right thanks for the call kendra okay i appreciate it all right have a great day a great christmas Okay, so we got somebody else uh, yes, waiting we as do. well. Brad from Anderson. All right, Brad from Anderson. Good morning, Brad, and welcome to Talking Money. What's your question for Deborah? Brad, are you still there? Can you hear us now, Brad? <laughs> I I can. I uh, can. There. I was actually on uh, UConnect, and it and it was uh, going to my car instead of my <laughs> my phone. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, Brad. So, what's your question? Um, what my both of my parents passed away this year. And they have some property that is in, uh, that was in a trust. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out is the way that property would be valued to, I have a brother, and to divide that property and then some other accounts that are not in the trust, but Anyway, to get a value of the property, is that a real estate value? Is it a appraised value? Um, I'm just kind of trying to figure that out. Okay, good question. Um, thanks, Brad. I'm sorry that you lost your parents. Um, the, well, thank you. The property they held in your trust, uh, first of all, I would say uh, you would do well to consult with an attorney uh, to look at the property uh, is the trust the sole owner of the property and uh, the typically in probate matters the valuations are done at the date of death the fair market value is done at the date of death and people in the probate process use real estate appraisers and uh, other qualified people to come up with that value. So typically the date of death value is what is in, is the date that you want. The uh, Some people who don't want to go to that expense will use a tax appraisal for the property taxes, but that usually is fairly low and doesn't represent the actual fair market value. So a qualified appraiser, uh, someone who is highly qualified as an MAI appraiser, uh, can give you a fair market value with date of death, which generally suffices for what you need. But again, an attorney can advise you, uh, and they can read the entire document and see actually how the property is held and how it's to be distributed through the trust. But um, 
generally it's the date of death fair market value yeah and brad you want to be careful i know some people at this stage they're thinking they want to keep that uh, appraisal as low as they can because they're thinking maybe there's estate taxes or trying to avoid a gift tax or something uh but uh, if the if the estate is not subject to estate taxes which is probably not because unless it's over 12 million it's, it's not going to happen uh, then you really want the the appraisal to be on the high side because that's going to be your basis when you in the future when you sell it, it'll use that number as your basis as if that's what you guys paid for it. So the higher that number, the, the less in income taxes you'll pay when you when you guys ultimately sell it. All right. Uh, okay, that's that's good information. And I because I was curious on transferring that property. My wife and I are considering. Um, taking that part of it and not selling the property and then i was kind of curious about that so that's good information that if i were to sell it later on what my tax basis would be so yeah yeah good information okay brad thanks for the call all right have a great uh, christmas season all right thanks for the call we got a couple of good texts that we're waiting for too i don't know if anybody else is on the line but i know we got a couple of good texts here we'll get to after the break it's time for the last break so we'll be uh, right back Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We have about 10 minutes left here today. My special guest, Deborah Faulkner, probate judge in Greenville County. And uh, a many, an oftentimes guest on Talking Money. I always love to have Deborah on. Uh, we have good conversations and great calls. We've got another call here coming in from Richard, who's calling us from Greer. Then we'll get to some of these texts that have come in. Good morning, uh, Richard, and welcome to Talking Money. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, my question um, is about whether or not I want to get involved in a probate in a state. My mother um, has uh, uh, her and my dad passed away, or not passed away, but they divorced many years ago. And then my mom remarried and uh, was married to the second husband for about 20 years, and she passed away um, about 12 years ago. All right, the second husband passed away a year ago. So I just wanted to put that all in a perspective. Um, when he passed away, the, the lady that he remarried to passed away within uh, just a few hours of him. So I have since learned that the mobile home and land that they purchased together, my mom and the second husband, um, has never been resolved in probate. Um, I actually looked into um, responsibilities that we might have, uh, me and my siblings. Um, the probate, as I say, hadn't been resolved. Um, we looked at the value of what the mobile home and the land might have. 
but we've also kind of learned that they had a lot of um, outstanding debt, which is probably more than the value of the land um, and, and the trailer. So I feel a, a responsibility, I guess, out of respect to my mom in some ways and, and, and to uh, the second husband who he took care of her. Um, right now, everything's kind of just, as far as I know, it's all in limbo. The mobile home's not not in, in good shape. Um, there's a little bit of value in the land. So I, I was thinking about contacting the mortgage company just to see if there's anything that um, that I can do to help facilitate closing all this stuff. But I am also a bit concerned if, if I get my name involved in there, is there going to be any liability or anything that I would incur for, for me and my siblings? Does that make sense? And so, Richard, what uh, state did they live in? Are they South Carolina residents? It, yeah, they, they're okay. in um, uh, Lawrence County. Okay. Deborah. Oh, Richard, that's a uh, you've got a lot of uh, moving parts in that question. Uh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> how long ago was it that your mother died? Um, it's probably been um, about 12 years. 12 years ago. 12 years. Okay. And did she uh, have an estate that went through probate court? Well, they didn't do that. Um, I did talk with a probate person in Lawrence County, mm-hmm. and that was what she told me, that the probate has never been closed. I, I guess uh, husband number two, number two never did anything about that part. So okay. technically she's part ownership in the in the mobile home and the, and the land okay um well uh let me just address that um uh first of course getting legal advice is always the best because they've got the time to sit down and talk to you and look at documents and that so on and so forth but what our law provides for is after the passage of 10 years uh a will if your mother had a will no longer has any effect and you really can't do any probate administration because that's our statute of limitations. However, if you go to Lawrence County Family Court and you find out that her, their mother did have a will and it did get admitted to probate, but the administration just never got done, then the will still works and you're okay. But uh, the uh, administration of it, well, the only thing the probate court can do, assuming nothing really ever got done, is we can do what's called a determination of heirs, which is a proceeding in which we issue an order saying who your mother's heirs were at the time of her death. And if she was married, it would be her husband and all of her children. And if she had a child that passed before her, it would be their children. And that order then would dictate who had an interest in anything remaining in her name. Uh, and so then you, you would have to deal with, you know, the Department of Motor Vehicles is the place that governs the title for a mobile home. And if there's real estate, uh, if the mobile home was de- – there's a detitling process. I don't know if the mobile home became like a real estate, like a house, if that happened. So there's a lot of this you've got to decipher before you can really know how to proceed. Um, and – uh, usually things of real estate and that sort of thing, if nobody's paying the taxes, it usually comes up for a tax sale or a mortgage foreclosure. Uh, but so much time has passed, you've got to do some some digging to find out exactly what happened and start from the time of your mother's death 
and bring it forward to determine what exactly uh, you can do to solve the situation. Okay. Br- briefly, I I don't believe there's a will, um, neither for my mom or for the second husband that um, passed away about a year ago now. And I'm pretty sure that the mortgage company has probably begun some sort of foreclosure, as well as the fact that um, just um, observing some of the communication that has come in the mail that um, the, the county taxes, you know, probably aren't going to be paid either. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that the mortgage company is probably in the, the process of foreclosing. Uh, I, you know, one sense, I I think because the uh, the outstanding debt probably exceeds the value of the property, the, the mo- mobile home and the land, that there's not a whole lot to come out of it. Yeah. And by the way, um, the the husband, the second husband, he has two sons, and the boys don't. The boys didn't have a relationship with their dad. Um, matter of fact, it was stated yeah. a couple of ways that the father didn't want to have anything to do with him. Richard, you're going to have to get a lawyer. You're going to have to. Okay. There is no way you can figure all this out on your own. You got to get a. You you need a lawyer to tell you whether or not it's worth your time to get involved in it. Okay. So one one final question: Um, If if I open up the door to the mortgage company, does that get me involved in any way from a standpoint that they could come after me and my heirs for any of the debt that's outstanding? You need to speak to your lawyer about that because mortgage documents mortgage documents should be on file in the register of deeds office and they all of those things need to be looked at so that lawyer can protect you okay thank you so much all right richard all right thanks for the call have a great (laughs) weekend all right so real quickly we try to get to one of these texts uh the couple minutes we have left Uh, this is the easy one the other one would take a little uh, longer what's the most efficient way to do the inventory of the household goods etc is the question uh, for those of you not familiar with probate, uh, 90 days after the personal representative is appointed, you have to file what uh, is an inventory of what the deceased person owned. And there is a schedule for household goods. And the personal representative is presumed to know the value of household goods. They don't have to hire an appraiser. They're presumed to know that. Uh, the best way to do that is you know it depends on the extent of the estate if the deceased person was a great planner and they have kept a list of all their valuable artwork that might be uh, extremely valuable or antiques and that sort of thing and they've got all those records then you're in good shape if not you're going to have to just kind of go through and uh, value them as best you can for things like furniture uh just you know dishes things like that i just tell people if you were going to have a yard sale and it was going to be a really great one what would what would you expect a willing buyer to pay you for it Mm -hmm. and uh we don't expect you to get down to the penny just an overall estimate is all we expect you to give us Okay, that sounds like good advice. We have uh, less than a minute here, and I want to remind people. So we got a question from Keith in Avaville. I don't see contact information on this, but Keith, if you will uh, resend your question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, then I'll make sure Deborah gets that question 
uh, about your spouse dies or they're in a process of making a will and all this. It's a great question, but uh, we just don't have time, especially to cover one that's that, that detailed. Uh, so send that to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Well, Deborah, great to have you once again. Thank you, Mike. We I have, enjoyed it very much. We have a lot more we could cover, but uh, not this time. We'll cover it next time. Thank the you. Next Merry Christmas. Of Talking Money. All right. Everybody have a great week. 